0: Hey everybody, welcome to this month's Metal Misconduct. As always, I'm Brian Segel from Metal Blade Records, and we have with us Sean Rourke from NHL.com. Sean, how are you?
1: I'm good. Summer's here finally, right? It's time for tours and relaxing and apple pie and all those good things I hear.
0: Well, that's for you. It's the opposite for me. It's a bit of a gigantic nightmare, but it's a good nightmare, I suppose, right? Of course. It's always good to be busy. Well... Yeah, I, that's what I keep trying to tell myself, but I'm not sure. But anyway, we did find time to do this lovely podcast, and we welcome this month two-time Stanley Cup winner, Brad Lukowicz. Brad, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for having me. So now I, I just Brad, said does, two... I got one question for you before we start. Does that ever
1: get old, the introduction as a two-time Stanley Cup champion? No, that's pretty nice. That's
0: a nice ring to <laughs> <laughs> however it comes with a little asterisk or caveat because you are a two-time Stanley you, Cup whatever. winner but you they didn't put your name on it the first time what's up with that
2: yeah I wasn't there the whole year I came in at the trade deadline uh, I was in the minors all season long uh they made a trade for Benoit Hogue, and it was for a defenseman Sergei Gusev he needed a guy to come in and put in some ice time and Really what happened is uh, that was a famous hit, Darian Hatcher, on Jeremy Roenick. So I I, I kind of kept on sticking in the lineup. And this guy broke his hand in the first round. Like Sean Chambers broke his hand in the first round. So I got a chance to play there. So I just kept on getting an opportunity and getting an opportunity to play. And unfortunately, I didn't get uh, a chance to play in the final series. And those are the rules. But that's what it is.
0: So the the rules if you can play all the playoffs but if you don't play in the actual finals they they can omit your name.
2: Yeah, you got to play actually you have to just step on the ice. Um, there's some guys that have 4 seconds of didn't play any games, they only played like 4 or 5 seconds. They got on for a face off, they changed and they came off. Their names are on there.
0: Wow. Well, but those are the rules, man. Th- Thankfully, the wrong was righted, though. The second time around, this time when you were with Tampa Bay, you actually did get your name on the cup.
2: Oh yeah, and that was that was a lot more special. You know, we were there the year before. We had a really good year um, in Tampa. We, we lost to Washington, but we learned what it took to get to the playoffs. The elevation of uh, Sorry, we lost the jersey, but uh, the elevation of the level of play—I don't think we were really ready for it yet. Uh, but it gave us an opportunity to take a whole season to prep for it. Um, Torch was great back then; he held us all responsible um, and accountable. Team came together at the right time, and a bunch of rejects basically put together the right recipe to win. And it was awesome. It was good to be there, you know, as you know, with a pivotal part of it, rather than just a guy coming in at the trade deadline and rookie guy. But I don't like dismiss that first one, but it was almost like I was. I won an award and got to be that guy that got uh, to hang out on the, on the bench for, for the last four months of the season. And I uh, just got a front, front eye to a uh, bird's eye view of what it takes to win. And it, I think I carried over and why I was important in, in more in Tampa is to, to give that kind of advice.
1: When, when you look at when you look at Tampa now, I assume you still follow the league pretty close. Do you kind of see that same cycle happening? You know, like I look at Tampa and they've been good. They were really good this year. Um, you know, if they don't run into a very hot Pittsburgh Tangling team, maybe they're going to the finals for the second year in a row. Do you kind of see it trending the same way it was, like you just talked about?
2: Yeah, you know, they brought us back for that 10 um, year anniversary, and uh, their coach is awesome. Cooper was wicked. He brought us in the dressing room and there's about 10 of us who just kind of sat around and had a little hot stove with them. And, and uh, I remember just telling him, I said, you know what, man, you got something special here. It feels like that first group. Like, like and he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, I, they just, they, they respect you. Um, they listen to you, but you, you're also keeping the, you, but you keep every guy accountable. You, you, you see that you keep Stan close accountable, but you also keep the guy on the fourth line accountable, but it's the same level where I think is where, when I came back after the lockout and went to Jersey and that, it was a different type of dynamic in the room where it was more of the, the nowadays style of four or five big name guys and then the supporting cast or the supporting crew. And it was a divide, a divide in the room that we just couldn't get over. And that, I think that actually just imploded us in, 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 uh, in Tampa the second time.
1: So it was really important I, by the time this goes on, it, it, obviously it'll be old news, but that Steven stayed in, in Tampa Bay. I mean, obviously, you know, as an alum of that team, it has to be nice when guys who play such a big role and could have gone anywhere decide to kind of stay with, with the franchise and see it through. I, I,
2: I'm, just my opinion is I never for a second thought he would leave. I, I like living in that town. Um, the way they t- treated me, I was a nobody, and to, the way they treated me um, and the way they look up to their sports, their media, guy, the media is great there, the sports guys are great there, the non-sports people are great, they treat their guys with a lot of respect, they're kind of a big show in town. If the Bucks aren't doing well, then and you are, everybody comes to your games. If both teams are doing good, that's great, but they don't really, like Clearwater's a long way away for baseball. And, uh, you don't really have that big competition right in Tampa. They got the really nice building right down in the water. I don't know why you would want to leave. No state, or no state tax, or, uh, it doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt either. You know, it's one of those places that when you get an opportunity to stay there, you stay there for a long time.
0: Yeah, I have a place in Tampa, and I'm a big fan of Tampa. But not of the summers in Tampa, but as a hockey player, it's perfect. You play during the the nice weather season, and you get out during the summer. Now, when you were playing in Tampa, you were playing with our good friend Mr. Dan Boyle down there, another fellow metalhead, obviously. Did you ever get to do his radio show when he had it down there?
2: Oh, the uh, Dan Boyle Power Hour? Yes. (laughs) I was was sitting right beside him pretty much every Sunday. We would sit there and... Make the uh, the list together. He was he was more of a metalhead than me. He was heavy,
0: heavy, heavy, heavy. Oh yeah, we've had him on the show. He's a great dude. Uh, I love him.
1: I think this is the third. Is it not the third member of the Temple mm-hmm. Lightning we've had on the show? We've also had Chris Dinger. You guys were teammates too, right?
2: Yeah, I love Dinger. That's kind yeah. of a, that, that's a pretty good crew. You got to get Andre Law now too. Like like every team has their little groups of guys, but that was kind of that group of guys was the Dan Boyle Dinger myself, Andre Law, but then you, Marty, Vinny, Richie, you know, you, you kind of say, oh yeah, we had a little group, but then you start saying that and you start including everybody in it, but it was, it was it, getting on the metal thing, like it was pretty cool in the dressing room. You should have heard some of the stuff. I'm pretty sure Dan would tell you some of the stuff that was, uh, played in the room but it was it was pretty cool dynamic to see Dave Adrichuk banging his head over in the corner.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dan was definitely bummed when he when he went to the Sharks and there were no metal heads on there and they I think the first time they played some in the dressing room, everybody's like, "No, no, stop this, stop this." So, he had to stop. Now, speaking of metal, and we'll go back to the first Stanley Cup that you won. Now, were you at the infamous Pantera party where the cup may or may not have been thrown out of a window into a pool?
2: My 16-year-old brother is the, one that, is the one that got it out of the pool. So yeah, I was there. <laughs> now, <laughs> so was <is> he.
0: <laughs> to my, I was actually supposed to be there as well, and my schedule dictated that I couldn't be there. And in retrospect, that was a very bad decision on my part. But so the the famous story was, for those of you that don't know, was that, you know, Pantera guys are huge metalheads and huge hockey fans, and the stars skate out to the Pantera song and everything. So there's this massive party at Dime and Vinny's house, and the cup, was, yes, thrown out of a, a second-story window into the pool. Now, the legend was that that's... Slipped.
1: It, it slipped. It slipped. I know. Allegedly.
0: It <laughs> allegedly was thrown there. So, also, allegedly, this was, you know, it had a big dent in it. It was a big mess, and there's this whole controversy, and this is why now people can't have the cup all to themselves anymore. However, a couple of years ago, I was hanging out with Rita Haney, who was Dime's ex-wife or widow i guess at this point and she yeah. dispelled Area, the, yeah. she dispelled the rumor that the cup was damaged at all when it was in the pool there she said no it wasn't dented at all it was just some other time that happened which kind of devastated me because i liked the original story now can you corroborate that or do you not you know don't implicate yourself in anything here
1: i actually have an odd story
2: that might have some <laughs> some truth to Rita's thing but um, I'm, I would rather plead the fifth on it because it is such a killer story but to be honest with you I never saw it get, I never saw it happen it, it, I don't really remember even hearing about it happening till about two three weeks later and uh, I was kind of like huh, I was out at the pool the whole time and I would think I would remember that and I, so I don't really remember seeing it um, the guys don't remember seeing it and uh, but if they said it happened, yes, <laughs> those Dunner, those those scary, are the <laughs> those are the
0: correct answers that you just did. Thank you very much. That, that is exactly what I wanted to hear.
2: But I will tell you, I was as it was the as black as black ace back in the day. I used to carry a video camera around, and I actually have some unseen footage by anybody on the planet other than me and my dad and like three other people. And there might be a situation on there where you can actually see where, and it was not a big dent. For people that know it, like actually have seen it. It wasn't, like, I wouldn't even call it a dent. And it was the black casing on the bottom. It wasn't the actual cup. Like if there's a black ring on the bottom and that ring is kind of made out of like an all, it's not aluminum, but it's a little bit less tender. And that's the thing that kind of was bent and you, they just bent it back.
1: No harm, no foul, right?
0: Just to get that video out. <laughs> hey, you know we're putting uh, we're we're doing some Pantera DVD footage, so you know maybe maybe. Yeah, uh, mm. we'll ta- we'll talk later on that one.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, that must have been aside from that one incident, that must have been an unbelievable raging of a party. Yeah, it was a pretty good one.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think Jerry Cantrell was there. I mean, it was one of those things that just guys like. Uh, Dave and the guys from uh, Drowning Pool, that's kind of where everybody met them. Like they kind of rocked out bodies for one, like the first night in, back, in Vinny's back room. It was cool. Um, it was just kind of one of those nights, you know? You, you have a lot of them with Vinny. Um, there's not too many times that during the season, like at least once or twice a month, the whole team is wound up at Vinny's house on a Sunday night uh, on our, after a day off, or Monday night, actually. You know, we go to... Go year, and we like, we were just such a close team. So we had a lot of parties at the, at, at, at that plaza, but that one was I think that one takes the cake. It's probably any party I've ever been to, to be honest with you. It was pretty insane.
0: Yeah, that's that's what happens at that house. It's uh I think every party <laughs> at that house is somewhat legendary, but uh yeah, it was a lot of yeah. fun. So how yeah. many
1: times has your brother thanked you for that? My brother? Oh my yeah. god.
2: It's uh, he's pretty pumped about it. I mean, it was a, again, he got to. It was a, the funny thing is like the, the night of that party, he's like, "All right, well, see you later." He's, I'm underage, so we went to uh, this one bar that we're, we kind of had roped off, and we sat there. And Richard mapachuk and Hatch, gary and Hatch, was like, "Where's your brother?" Well, he's not of age. They're like, come on, man! Like, we rented this place. It's our party. you can do whatever we want. Like, oh, okay. So we had. They were smart. They're one of the first teams that actually did the whole limo thing. So they got the limos and they we had all these limos set up for us, basically on our at call 24-7 for about two weeks. And uh, so they turned around, they grabbed the limo, they sent it back to the apartment, they picked him up. And he came in and they got the first thing got, they got him to do is to belly flop into the beer tub. <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> Let's just say like, that Vinny, Vinny, right? Vinny had a lot of fun with my little brother that night. Oh, he just did whatever he wanted. It was awesome, man. That, it was those guys were. That was such a good
0: time. It's like Vinny's puppet.
2: Pretty much, yeah, yeah. But he loved it. Like it, it was nothing terrible. It was they just loved it.
0: Oh yeah. No, I've, I've seen, I've witnessed quite a few of that sort of stuff. That's, uh, those, those guys are <laughs> awesome. They a lot of fun, a lot yeah. of fun. So now, uh, I was involved we've talked about this before on this podcast, but I was involved with the central hockey league and all those people. And you actually played in the central hockey league for a little bit during the, the break with the <coughs> Fort Worth Brahmas. How was that experience? Uh, it
2: wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I mean, <laughs> great team you know what it, it wasn't it wasn't it was pretty decent hockey it was just it was i didn't like the way the players got uh, treated you know like a couple instances where guys would they'd play for the weekend and then they'd cut them after the game on sunday and but don't go anywhere, just kinda of stick around the apartment and then they would rehire them on Friday so they don't have to pay them Monday through Friday. So they're and we were in a you know, we're in a, a lockout against all these these situations just like that. So I was like, uh, you know what, I don't think it's very smart to me for me to be here right now. So that's that's the main reason why I backed out. But the hockey wasn't terrible I and mean, it was pretty good. it was like three or four really good players per team, um, that probably could be East Coast League guys but have made a, a pretty good life in those little towns there and you can. not And uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It wasn't too bad. I got lucky though. They flew me everywhere.
0: Nice. That's the one thing I learned about uh, the minor league. Well, probably all of hockey, but definitely minor league hockey. The owners down there, really not a lot of great people owning those teams. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, how are these people running a business? It's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. It's pretty insane.
1: So, Brad, what are you doing now?
2: right now i am coaching uh i have my own little company called PathFitness.ca, dot basically it's the whole thing and all we basically do is uh coach and develop kids um i've got it's obviously hockey is my sport specific training i got on on ice program off ice program um but I also got like baseball players and figure skaters and stuff like that that just do the the off ice stuff and
1: uh yeah
2: we're uh heading down to the uh, Coeur d'Alene Hockey Academy uh here shortly. I'm gonna go down there and be the head coach of the uh of the prep team down there and just playing uh or just coaching hockey. Doing what I can to uh get other guys up to enjoy the same thing that I got to do.
1: And and where, where's that based out of For the listeners?
2: Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Right near Spokane. Okay.
0: Yeah, you know, with all these, uh, obviously it's been a big hot topic in the last uh, the last couple of weeks with all these guys from St. Louis coming up and getting drafted in the first round. Obviously, Austin Matthews coming from Scottsdale, Arizona, which is not a, a hockey hotbed. So, you know, you're in an area which is, you know, kind of not thought of as, as bringing up a lot of players. How do you feel about the future of what you're doing there and bringing up these, you know, younger players?
2: Well, you know what I came to Canada to coach uh I came up here to coach the with, with the leopard hurricanes. things didn't work out. Um, I thought things I would get a second chance here um and i didn't um so but I fulfilled the the time we had kind of committed to being here it was three years and uh now it's time to move on you know that's the coaching life um, I'm doing what i do um, really the I think the main reason why you're going to see a lot of guys down in the South. Like from what I've noticed after retirement, like retirement sucks. All the guys are in the States. Every, everybody I know, like all, there's a lot of guys down in Texas. There's a lot of guys still down in Florida, down in Arizona. And, but they're all coaching. So they're, they're all involved with the minor hockey programs down there. They're all, they're all doing the, the Phoenix um, off ice or the Phoenix programs. There's an Arizona program. Sorry. The the LA uh, storm, whatever. Um, there's a group out of Chicago that has an amazing hockey system. And, uh, yeah, so you've got to pay a little bit more, but they're all the guys that all, – all the instructors are ex-players, and they don't have to go through the, the, uh, the certification programs that you have to do in Canada. So you're getting a lot of guys that are fresh out of the game. It is a different, changing game. Um, they've been versed in this new stuff. They're getting right into the eager young coaches, and I think that's really developing young players in the States. If you look at a lot of the names, a lot of the names – of the coaches are ex-players or there a lot of the good players are sons like like Domi and the Kachuks and these guys. Well, I mean, obviously these guys, their bloodline is, they're getting taught from someone and they're getting, but unfortunately these guys are all living in the state.
1: Yeah. The, the, the Kings program now is uh, every coach at every level from, I think Pee Wee to uh, Mitch is not only an NHL player, but like a noticeable NHL player, like Rob Blake, Nelson Emerson. Yeah straight on through, and, and that's kind of fueled yeah. that California uh, wave that's come in and, and kind of dominated the last couple of years of the draft.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to try and do up in the Northwest. Um, it it could help us out. The main reason why is we have a, a good draw for those Southern teams to bring up guys to play in that, the, the Canadian Scholastic League out here in the West. Um, there's some pretty good teams out here. A lot of the first-round picks to the Western League were played out here in that league. Um, So we get an opportunity to bring those guys up there, and they don't have to go and play in Canada anymore. They can keep their academics American. And then the other flip side of it is guys that get drafted into the Western Hockey League to, say, a Spokane or a Tri-Cities. The biggest adjustment a lot of these guys have is through their first couple months is that academic changeover. If we can do it where they have a year under their belt and maybe prep them for that, we get in contact with the team that they're playing for next year, make sure they're a little bit ahead of the curve Gives them an opportunity to focus on playing the game. Again, we're doing what we can to uh, try to get some more Canadian players out there as well.
1: So, you, so you're gonna kind of recruit that whole Western rim there, wherever. I mean, uh, we've got,
2: got a girl coming in from Boston. Um, a lot of these things, how it works, is you go to showcases and uh, it's what you have, what your prices are, what, you, what you're giving, giving to the program. Our, our biggest asset is that we are an American team that gets to play in the Canadian League. So there's always that question, well, how are the Americans? How do they stack up against the Canadian teams? Well, this is a, now, or now, now it's less of a team but more individual where you can have a lot of American players stacked up against some Canadian players, and you'll see them one-on-one.
0: And I guess your biggest competition being in the U.S. would be the U.S. colleges, right?
2: Well, actually, we're, we feed that system. So the best BCJ league, um, or best junior league, tier two league, that NCAA feeder is the BC hockey league. Well, that's the teams that will be watching our guys. We play right underneath their noses. And that's that, that's our biggest attribute, uh, is giving to the NCAA. Uh, we've got some WHL ties being 40 minutes down the road from Spokane. Um, and then Don Knockbar, their head coach, is a, kind of one of my coach mentors. Uh, he's one of my go-to guys when I give when I have any issues. I give him a phone call, and he can uh, whip me into shape real quick um, and it's nice to have him down the road so it, it, it it's mapping out to be a pretty big deal, a pretty good deal uh, like you said, I like the l a way they do it with all the ex-, ex players, um especially with the way the game is evolving right now. you've got to be on your toes and you've got to have guys that can can, t- can can get out and talk the talk with these with everybody knowing what's up to date because everybody's trying to try, try to get the edge on each other.
0: Well, and if you have so, let me ask you this: So, if you're developing some some kids in your area, and they have an opportunity to go to either the west, the western, you know, Spokane Tri Cities, any of the you know Seattle, Portland, or a U.S. college, is is there? Would you steer them one way or another? Does it depend on the kid? I mean, where do you kind of where would you want to push them if you could?
2: Um, actually, I go by a development right now with the way the NHL has. Basically, youth youth league make it a lot at 18. When I got in the league, I think Vinny Lecalvier, uh was a teenager, Legwand was a teenager, and Ed Jovanoski was a teenager. It, count them up now; they're all over the place, and that makes it our our job a little bit more demanding and and important is to having these guys developed and ready to go at the age of 18 rather than going to the minors and getting that four or five year program. Um, so I don't know, we got our, we got our work cut out for us in, on on that.
1: Do you think uh, do you think the amount of teams that are in the league now is is a function of them being more ready, or a function of partially of the salary cap and and the money involved, and, and the fact that you can have some cheap talent, or are players at eighteen just so much better now than when you were eighteen, when you when your generation were eighteen? This is where the, the,
2: the everyone says, "Well, he's just a bitter old player." to be honest with you, I think it's the opposite. I think the players are not near as good as they used to be. Um, it's a very watered-down system. Um, I'm not in the game to promote it in the NHL anymore, so I can actually speak freely. Um, I really don't believe that, that the game is is better. Um, to me, it looks like when I used to come back at the end of the season and go on Summer League and watch Scott Niedermeyer and Rod Niedermeyer and these guys go through and do all these fancy moves through their legs and Top shelf, spin around the backhand off the back net, kind of basketball moves um, we call that summer league, and then when guys did that too much, a guy would go over and hit him, and that's how you that's how you do it. Well, now you can't do that anymore, so really you've created the national summer league it's there's no hitting there's no fighting i'm an old school guy, I love fighting. I think that's one of the things, a badge that we get to wear. We were known as warriors. So back in the day when we played, we we walked into somewhere, and you had five or six guys walking in with suits with black eyes and no teeth. That was a pretty scary-looking group of guys, and they were all big. To say we were bigger or smaller, I'm 195, 200 right now, and I tower over all these. One guy's 165. Uh, There's guys that couldn't do a chin-up, you know, when I got in the league, there was George Larocque was 290 pounds and he could skate like the wind and he crushed guys. Um, Derek Bougard, like Zidane Chara, these guys were monsters and they could skate. Kachuk, Owen Nolan, like you you look at these guys back then, I think those are the, the, the game has changed. It's more of a selling point for me. Um, I do like the rule of the no-touch icing. I think that, can take away a lot of the injuries to the defenseman and the shoulder injuries that kind of was a big rise there for a little bit and maybe put the red line back in, slow those guys down coming through the neutral zone and you can eliminate the concussion issue. So that's to me, that's my whole rant on the whole deal because everyone always says, that, Oh, you're just an old guy. Well, I do skate with these guys and not too many of them can get by me and I'm old. <laughs> I skate once a month. So <laughs> I don't know it's just It's just one of those comparables that you do get out there and you, you do do your best against them, and even the Western hockey league guys like that you go against there's hardly any hitting there's hardly any fighting and uh really it's the old Don cherry thing like do we all want, do we all want to play European hockey? We used to make fun of European hockey and now we promote it
0: well do you think it's also because it's <clears throat> Do you think it's also because they start teaching these kids systems from very early on? So it's not like they're getting taught all the other points of the game. They're all, they're all in a system from when they first start playing. So they, they're almost like being taught to be robots, more or less, to play this way and play in this system.
2: Well, if you don't, you can't play. That's, that's what they've created. It's basketball. It's set plays. It's a completely, again, it is a completely, the clinics I used to go to 15 years ago, to the ones I'm going to now is absolutely, completely different. The things that we're learning now are, and it's all, when I was 22, 23 years old, there was a guy in Europe, his name is Yersonov. He was Alexei Yashin's um, coach. He coached, I believe, the Finnish team, but he was a Russian guy. Um, So we all went over there to Turko, Finland for three weeks. There were six or seven guys from each team, Dallas, Toronto, Florida. I think there was like 40 of us that went over there. We were doing all that stuff over there that they're just starting to do now. It is completely the European style of, of uh, coaching. And, but they, we were doing this when, like when Datsuk was learning how to do this, that we were doing 15 years ago in Finland. And that's what they were doing. And you see that massive turnover of players, how many guys are really excelling at this new game. It's a smaller European style player.
1: You know, it's amazing when you brought up uh, when when you guys used to go places, like you said, in suits with black eyes. One of my, one of my fondest memories of that final that you played in against uh, Calgary was the first road trip of that series when Calgary came in and then you guys came in. It literally looked like two motorcycle gangs um, because those guys all wore, like they didn't have the same dress code as you guys did, so they all came in in leather jackets, mohawks, um, all that kind of stuff going on, and then you guys came in. You were a little more Fortune 500, but not really between the beards and the and the black eyes. Uh, it must be it must be wild traveling like that. The the looks you get and checking into hotels and you know looking like you've just been through a bar fight. And, and is it a weird way to have to kind of go back and forth across the country?
2: It becomes pretty normal. Do I you mean you get on the planes? You get on the plane. You get the plane, you gear down your your shorts and t shirts and then uh, – but, you know, like, yeah, like, some teams – like, when I played in Jersey, you had to wear a suit everywhere you went. It was, like, some teams would let you to wear jeans or on a day off on the road or something like that. Not not in Jersey. You had to wear a suit all the time. And it was, <laughs> Lou would be down by the pool in Dallas, 105 degrees in a suit, just making sure that we weren't down there. But, like, come on, Lou. <laughs> but, yeah, it's – you know what? It becomes so just normal. But the, I remember, like, the first – I remember being young and you know getting called up for the first time and walking in Phoenix in your suit, and everybody in the hotel backs, in, backs away. There's you know there no cell phones back then, so they didn't video you, but it was cool like you had kids running up to you hey mr so and so, can I get your autograph, and I'm like, "How the hell does this kid freaking know me? I've been on the scene for two days, you know it was it, but they knew the whole team they knew if you were with a team, you're associated with wearing a suit, and you look the way you did. We all had the hockey hair. Or we had we'll have, or we either had the hockey hair, or we had Kirk, Kirk Muller's mullet. So they're pretty identi- identifiable now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Freaking what's his name, Burnsy and uh, Thornton look like they should be
1: on uh, Duck Dynasty. So I don't know what's going on with the guys anymore. You uh, you never had a beard like that during the playoffs? Never got that
2: big. The one I had in Tampa was pretty <laughs> killer. That was awesome. I like that one. I don't know. I've always wanted to do it, and then. The wife and kind of, the kids kind of give me crap. And then my youngest one's like, well, I'm not going to kiss you anymore. I'm like, oh, there we go. So I usually <laughs> try to do it, and then they usually shave it off on New Year's. I make them, I make them a deal that I'll shave, shave, it, shave at least my beard off on New Year's Eve every year.
1: See now, I know. Mine's, mine's coming off tomorrow. It's the start of the new year, uh, July 1st. This is the hockey start of the new year. So the playoffs oh, okay. slash drafts slash awards beard comes off tomorrow. Oh, nice.
0: You're not you're not on a team, Sean. You shouldn't be growing a beard. That's lame.
1: No, this is my this is my season, so uh I don't care. This is what it's gets you l- gets you through two and a half months of working every day. No, nah, it's lame. It's it's lame. a lot less it's a lot <laughs> less upkeep that way.
0: As soon as you skate with an NHL team, you can grow a beard. By the way, speaking of Brent Burns, he really pisses me off because a bunch of friends of mine, when he first came in, they said, dude, this guy's got to be a metalhead. He looks like a metalhead. He's got the whole thing. He's got the gigantic, crazy long beard now, which half of the metal, the metal, season, the metal guy started basically. He also is a snake guy. His snake dealer is the same snake dealer as Kerry King, yet he doesn't like metal. What? It drives me nuts. So, somebody's got to get to him
1: that is a the smart sure. room is a decidedly non-metal room after spending two months out there I can tell you oh I know there was not a whole there was it's not everywhere. a whole lot of metal being played out there and I'm telling oh, what's that they,
2: they don't. They don't do say the anything realer. about They're that. Defending It they suckle off. They still seek and destroy. But how odd was it that both teams, Pittsburgh and San Jose, came out to the same song? I know. I, <laughs> I well, like, ah.
0: our, our, uh, my buddy is the guy that does the music at Pittsburgh, where he kept saying, "You, you can't. You got to switch it up. You can't do the same thing." They used to drop the puck to raining, raining blood, and Pittsburgh I to go back to that. Come on. Although well, those,
1: they did that for overtime.
0: The Metallica guys, though, are fans of both the the Sharks and the Penguins. So.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they're, 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 that, they're, they're the best. That was pretty cool. I thought it was badass that everybody plays, you watch Tampa and they got the freaking techno Skrillex with Taylor Swift in the background and they got this place is playing this trap like in between songs. Whatever happened to have good music at the games and getting a fan, well, when you don't have any fights and you don't have any hits and you're playing European style hockey, well, you're going to put on European style music.
0: That nah, well, Same there's thing. there's some holdovers. There's about six teams that still play a lot of metal. But I, I'm totally with you on the on the fighting thing too. Okay. I, I th- think I've actually pro- had
2: the guy in Tampa tweet me over and over again, like, "Will you please just come to Tampa and be the music guy?" Yes. Because <laughs> since you you and Boiler left, it's been an absolute joke. I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun.
0: Yeah, it's it, it,
1: it, it, Re- it, resident PJ, just like at the, LA, at the Vegas casinos.
2: <laughs> I'd be like, hey man, lots of whistles tonight. Lots of
1: whistles tonight.
0: <laughs> I do agree with that about fighting. I think I think, you know, to me, you know, you have so many injuries to the top players now. Guys, you know, getting hurt, whether it's concussions or getting, you know, whacked in the hand with a stick, all that sort of thing that wouldn't not have happened if they allow fighting. So you're an old-school guy. Obviously, you want fighting back. I, I, I think you'll probably agree with me that if you put that back in the game, get rid of the stupid instigator rule, that the players will police themselves and you have less injuries to the star guys, right? Definitely.
2: Oh, man, like, tell me that you guys don't – you know who's on the ice. When Luke Gazzik's on the ice, you know when Luke Gazzik's on the ice right now. Like, i will kill you. You know, when the boogeyman was on the ice. Trick Jim Cummings, like, all these guys, you knew – why do you think those guys had so much room out there? You just bumped. I remember bumping Wayne Gretzky on just once and, I, and it just like bumped him. I didn't even hit him. I just kind of bumped him because I had to get in his way. And I turned around and looked right at their bench. I was like, Ooh, was that, that wasn't too hard. It also gives back the old school respect amongst players. There is not, it's just, it's kind of been overlooked throughout the game. There's the younger guys. They don't, I mean, you can't blame the, the guys. The younger guys come in the league. They don't have those old mentor guys. Like when I came in, like G and Kirk Muller, and John McClain. I, you, you have these guys that just groom you to be a good guy. You're like I didn't get in a lot of trouble in Dallas by Bob Gainey. I did a couple times, but before it ever got to him, it was the guys in the room, like 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 Kirk Muller, Craig Ludwig, Rick, Richard Mapp, Hatch, Medano, all those guys. They're all ex captains, but they would grab me and be like, "Dude, you can't do that. Anymore. You can't you can't be that guy. You're in, the, you're in the NHL now. This is how you act. This is this is how it's done." You don't, whatever, do some of the things that are currently going on with these young players now. And, that, and I don't know. I, I think that part of the game is missing. I miss those old mentor guys. Um, the recent, it, I, I like having the old 40-year-old guys. The Rod Brindamore is out there carrying guys on his back out there in the playoffs to, to win that cup, the Dave Andercheck. So, uh, Like you said, I, I, I like the old game. I think, you know, what's, the, what's the other thing? The biggest thing in sports right now is the UFC. And you want to take fighting out of hockey?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, what, why do you think it is though that that the rooms are different now and they weren't the same way as they used to be? Why? How do you think that? Why do you think that's changed? The rules? The, no, sorry, the rooms, the dressing rooms. Sure. Like you're just you 19, like you're just saying that the leadership there would tell you how to act, and and that's not as much the case cause they're,
2: now. Because the leaders are 19 years old. Like, how are these guys captains at uh, 19 years old? Are you kidding me? There's so much to learn as a player and as an individual to be a leader. They're just the best player, and that's what you do because it sells jerseys. That ain't cool. Where are those, ex- where are those big captains, those old guys that are in the game? I mean, it's, it's no secret that the, the, the older guys got outed from the game. They're like, there's not a lot left, and it's going to get younger. You now salaries keep going up. It'll keep getting younger, and it, it, this is it's pretty obvious what they're doing. I don't know. Uh, that, that's, yeah, it's just my, it's my, it, that's my opinion. I, I, I was around for a long time with these things. I, got, I went through a couple lockouts, um, was on the board, uh, was one of the team reps through one of them. Um, heard a lot of things and to be, to be honest with you, I think the game needs to bring, bring back that tough, that toughness. It, it, it separates it from everything else. It really is to me. Basketball, I don't know how many people I asked up in Canada, hey, are you watching the game? I was at the, at a, at, a, at a function, a BC Sports Holiday Hall of Fame with all the guys from Kamloops during game seven. And when I asked about when I, the game should have been over, I asked guys, so when, when's the game over? Or who, who, does anyone know the score? No one at the ta- table knew and no one at the table cared. They're like, we don't watch hockey anymore, man. like, what? I was blown away.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because you know the the league, and you know Sean's going to be quiet on this because he's got to toe the league line, but I don't have to. Ha ha ha! Oh but, yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, you know, it, you know, they, if you look, just for example during the standing up finals I went to a couple of the games and I out with all the all of our friends who've done the show they're great media guys like you know Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun and great guys but the thing that kept driving me crazy about this is another level I'd love to see what your opinion is on the current state of the game so everybody's talking about oh the speed the speed the, there's so much speed now in the game and these these guys are so fast and so, so so speedy and meanwhile I'm watching the games going like there's no speed here there might be some quickness but they're just dumping it into the zone and then they're staying in the zone it's a half, It's like a half-court basketball game. Like, There's no speed coming through the neutrals. When you go back to when you know, Gretzky and the Mew played, and those guys are coming through the neutrals and making all these plays, and it's not as boring. I the, forget which game it was. Maybe game four, two or four of that Pittsburgh-San Jose series was unwatchable. There's nothing happening. And we keep going on about the speed, the speed. I so, said, well, maybe it's quicker. Things are happening quicker, but I don't think that there's much more speed now than there used to be.
2: No, I agree. I couldn't agree more, actually. I think the quickness is there, but the the corner moves and all that. But how do you stop that? I'll grab you and I'll hit you and put you against the wall. And those are the rules. Those are the rules that we played under. Um, It was tough. You had to be a pretty determined guy to get to the front of the net back in the day. Nowadays, you just got to be quick and make a quick little juke move through your legs, basketball move and spin around. It's just, again, summer league. Well, the way to, to stop that is to hit the guy. Well, if you, But now if you hit a guy too hard, you're going to get a penalty. So what do guys do? They back off. And they're get, taking every single thing that you were learned or taught back when you were back in our day is, you know, take away time and space. Well, now you kind of give them the space and you kind of, you know, ease your way in there. Because guys on the video, it shows up so quick that guys are afraid to make mistakes. You know, it's, it's, it, again, it's a completely different game. Um, I like the, uh, the, the the real exciting, rough and tough games. Like, like there's, uh, you, you can tell who's going to win. San Jose played heavy. Pittsburgh played pretty heavy. Um, but it takes it it takes a toll on you. You know, those are like Boston, the last winners. Look at how big those teams were. You say only you know, Chicago, they're not big. Their defense is pretty big. They got shifty forwards and big defense. Well, a lot of teams. The teams that are winning are the bigger teams and they're the older teams. If you look at the teams yeah, I mean, the playoffs, you at a lot of them are the younger teams. So send them to the minors, let them go down there, let them, let them get worked up by these older guys. In my day, it was Brad Berry and, uh, you know, like Colin Bauer from, from the Oilers, the guys in the IHL, but they are the guys again that held us accountable and made sure that we respected the guys above us. And, uh, I think it was a more respectable game. But if you didn't show up in practice the next day, you you, you got smacked in the head. You know, it's a little it's a little bit different you know, I you tell guys now, you know, guys like you fight you used to fight in practice? Like, well oh, you didn't mean to, but they were teaching us a lesson or we were teaching them one. It, 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 it again, different way of thinking, different times. But I don't know. I think it's a little bit for the amount of money that these guys are making right now, you'd think it would be a little bit of a tougher
1: sport. So to change gears a little bit, are you still, I know the last time we had talked when you were in Jersey, I think, um, you were doing some some music stuff for your own. Are you still doing that? No, I'm a dad. I do the hockey (laughs) stuff and I'm a dad. I'm a
2: full-time dad. My one daughter, she's 13. She does MMA training. Um so I any free time I have with her I'm at the gym with her or uh, taking her to tournaments. Um my younger one, uh, she's 9, she's the opposite. She's a dancer and likes to play soccer so um but uh, you know it's uh, I, it's pretty much all I focus my time on. I help out once in a while I do some booking gigs here and there for special events if NASCAR needs a guy or I've been trying to get the NHL to call me for years about their programs like the the tours, the light games, and stuff like that. Like we had some really good offers, but they never call us back. Yeah, like the Boston one. Man, we had a good lineup for that one, and they didn't even call us back. It was a cool that, like there was it was all rock. God's smack <laughs> <clears throat> like bands like really good bands were were interested in doing that one, but we never get a, get a chance at those games. See what you can do about that. Get some metal. On. Yeah, I'll, don't I'll, I'll, I'll
0: don't, for sure. don't get me started on that. I told Sean. I said, can you let me help you help you guys yeah, with, with the NHL awards? Really yeah, guy, you know? I, dude, I mean, the fact that the band you had playing the NHL awards has less Twitter followers than me—that's embarrassing. I, it doesn't have any metal. I'll get you. So I'll get you a good band on there. Just let me help you. <laughs>
2: but, and the thing is, like these guys are again, like we're not best buddies like we used to be back in the day. But you know, it's a phone call away to say, "What are you guys up to? You guys want to go play with the NHL? They know how, they've a lot of these bands have done it. They know how good the NHL, or they're all Canadian guys, or they're all hockey fans. They just want to be a part of it. Get come down to Vegas and have a great time. They all want to go up to to San Francisco and have a great time. We like Robbie Trevor playing the national anthem would have been killer. But now we got what's your name, Melissa Etheridge. <clears throat>
1: yeah.
2: The yeah, doors we- or Melissa
1: Etheridge? I'm going to go to the doors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me, I've been yelling at Sean for this for a couple of years now, so I'm I'm on the same page. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did- we're working on the we're working on the programming guy. By the way, didn't uh, I'll, I'll put I'll put you in my pitch.
0: Yep, look. T- I Don't mean, rock it, man. T- tell him that I know all of the major booking agents, United Talent, CAA. All these people, I'll get you. It doesn't have to be mail. I'll get you a real band that has like hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of followers. Not some band yeah. that has yeah. sixty-two thousand Twitter followers. Jesus Christ. Oh, anyway, you should
2: see the bids that we've put in, guys. They're awesome. Like you, you guys would love this show. The ideas that we have put together, like putting all-star bands together with Slash and you know, Chris Cornell yes. or doing Ozzy and yes. like that kind of stuff, you know, like Yukon Cornelius and stuff like that. That's what we were, that's what we want to do. But now we didn't get a call back.
0: No, God forbid. <laughs> we <laughs> should have, yeah. God forbid. Millions of people should want to watch the NHL awards. We don't want that to happen. Yeah.
1: So you, so you do that for like, uh, what'd you say for NASCAR? We do the, the shows out there.
2: Yeah. For, um, what's it called? Phoenix PBR, Phoenix international Raceway or PIR. So we do two okay. shows a year,
1: and, and you're you're kind of the help with the booking part of it. Yeah, so basically I deal the
2: Canadian side of things. So I get all the Canadian bands, and then I got we have another guy, the, the old singer of uh, my band, Never Set, that I used to manage. Actually, is a state the stage production manager for Three Days Grace. Now he's out with like I don't know who he's out with. Uh, the country guy, Bryant, something Bryant, Luke Bryant, or something Luke like that. Luke Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah but he, he's right in with all these guys and that's what he does so and he's he's one of the guys as well so basically like the nascar gig is you come in you play 50 minutes and we give you x amount of dollars you don't even bring your gear like you rent everything they walk up it's plug and play uh you go out you you have tickets to the game it's the you go upstairs and you get to hobnob with a bunch of people and then we we ship you out it's a pretty cool couple day event and You get to watch the races for free. It's a lot of fun. And again, the the bands do it for really cheap because it's a a killer venue and it's a killer It's fun. It's something different than being on a tour bus, waking up behind an arena, not knowing where, it doesn't matter what town you're in. It just looks like the back of an arena. And then, you know, heading in and going on to do it it again tomorrow. You know, this this is a chance for them to go and actually meet some guys and almost get run over by a car. It's,
0: It's a lot of fun. Exactly how it should be done. Yeah. so yeah you, so you mentioned this you managed a rock band for a while how how was that
2: <laughs> you know what I was more of the <laughs> the donator uh, the money donator for that one um, it was it was good it, when I was a part of it during the lockout but then as soon as I was kind of as soon as I went back to work, basically, and started playing again, I couldn't be there to make the, the big decisions. And as you guys know, in the entertainment business, you don't have a lot of time in between, and they don't wait. Um, we had some some pretty good opportunities. I think the biggest issue is a couple of good ones was we were maybe a little bit ahead of their time. Um, when Bullet for My Valentine was, was coming out, that's kind of the genre of music we were looking at. Yep. They were, a lot of people were saying like, well, we're, we just took a chance on this band and there's this band of Edge and Sevenfold that's been around forever that kind of, they kind of sound like them, but you know, they haven't really been able to break into it. So the band dismembered like kind of that summer and then the next year of Edge Sevenfold won the freaking M C D awards and we were like, oh man, we were just probably about five steps away from, from getting there. So, but you know, these guys were, they had to the man up and. And do their thing. So, unfortunately, it, it kind of just faded away. But I keep in contact with a lot of the guys still, especially Sean. Obviously, the singer never set. He is, he's, uh, he's a good kid. He uh, he works hard for, uh, he works hard for the money.
0: So, what uh, what kind of music are you listening to these days?
2: You know what? Um, like, Andy Affliction for some reason is like I can't not listen to these guys. Uh, That's like, a good
1: one.
2: Good. You know, I'm, I still like that I I'm still. A, into that I don't do they call that metal now everyone says oh no
1: that's new metal or it's Yeah, there's a million there's a, it's all metal it's man. all metal exactly <laughs> being elitist can yep. do oh it's death core it's metal core they keep oh, it loud and you like it, it's metal ok cool yeah no like in
2: flames you know I I, you know, I don't know if tools would go into that or more artsy than metal but they're I've seen them live and they're pretty freaking metal tools, no, tools super I'm, heavy I'm, oh love them uh probably that's probably my favorite shows that i've been to recently was uh but now if i could fly anywhere right now to, and really want to see a show i think it would be Amity affliction i for some reason these guys just they get me every day and i like some of this other stuff like star sets and yep. that kind of has the techno back stuff uh trying to get into that a little bit so um i don't know
0: uh, is, Some Canadian
2: uh, stuff. I still like my Canadian stuff.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I am any afflictions Australian, so you're cheating on your Canadian friends there.
2: I know, but, you know, I still like my Canadian stuff. You know, like Thousand Foot Trash, I'm looking forward to it. I think they got a record coming out yep. soon. And, yep, yep. Um, those guys are pretty killer. Um, see, hopefully, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like, oh, you know who I really like is St. Sonia, too, like with Adam from Three Days, his new band. Yep. With Corey Lowry and uh, 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 all the guys, uh, you know, the guy from Finger Eleven. Rich Bito and yep. uh, it's that's a you know Mike Shock and Stain that re- that record's probably the one record that I have been able to listen to front to back. It's been a while since I've bought that record.
0: Our old friend uh, who used to pitch for the Oakland A's and Houston Astros and everything, Travis Blackley is a, is really good friends with the Amity Affliction guys. Of course, he's Australian too. But I saw I yeah. just saw those guys at Hellfest uh, a couple weeks ago. they were great, great band. Oh, were they good live? Amazing. I've only really
2: seen the stuff on YouTube. I, I've heard they're pretty. I mean, the thing on YouTube is pretty good, but I don't know if they mess
0: yeah. with the music or not. But
2: it was it, it was pretty clean coming coming through. But are they good live?
0: Yeah, they're good live. I, I saw them. It was it was really awesome. good. A Lot of energy. Awesome.
1: Cool. So you have to go to Australia to see, and that's the only way to do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think they're coming over right now. I said I, I follow them on Twitter. Actually, the cool the reason I actually ever heard of them is. Um, Right before they started getting big on Sirius, um, like, sent me a, a Twitter thing. He said, Hey, uh just you just scored two goals, had two assists and gotten two fights on uh EA two thousand thirteen for the San Jose Sharks. Thanks for the win from Aaron, <laughs> which is a, a bass player dude. Yeah. That's so awesome. I was like, Oh, no problem, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and then he kinda then he started uh, direct messaging me a little bit, we had a little conversation and I was like, Oh, to check these guys out and I was like, Oh yeah. This is right up my alley. And ever since then I've just been a diehard fan. These are awesome. I
1: like guys that reach out like that. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the two thousands, man. It's direct to the athlete. Yeah, yeah.
0: Are you uh, are you familiar with our good friend George Paris' company, Violent Gentleman?
2: I am and I love George he's probably one of the coolest guys I've ever hung out with in my life yeah, I was in Vegas for two days he's man phenomenal.
0: what a smart man he's phenomenal yeah I love him so he's hooked you up with all the gear and everything you're all good there
2: no I'm gonna probably do that soon though. I you know, I heard he hangs out in Court Lane a little bit uh, with Sheldon Surrey and the boys, so
0: just uh, just um, do me a favor. Email me your address, and I will get a gigantic oh, yeah? care package sent to you. Yeah, those, oh, those all those guys are really good friends of mine. We do a lot of stuff with them. So, uh, oh cool, we'll awesome. we'll awesome. totally hook you awesome. up. No, you love, you, you amongst anybody else, definitely is old school, violent gentleman. You need you need some gear for sure. <laughs> <So> you
1: <laughs> no, you I'm I'm the wrong right wrong. to wear the badge. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Absolutely. And you can wear it to your daughter's MMA tournaments. There you go. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah
2: I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, she's going to be down in the States now. That opens up a whole other bag of chips for us now. So there's some uh, pretty good wrestlers down there. So she's pretty excited to get down there and learn that stuff. We're,
1: we're pumped. I, I have a queer. Really that's, that's the big region, too, right? Right around there is where yeah. that's one of those cradles of American wrestling for like collegiate yeah. and all that coming yeah. out of. Although
0: yeah. I, a real quick... I'm a little
1: nervous because she, she's tough.
0: Uh, what, uh, what, uh, what, so where is she fighting again?
2: Well, what she basically, how they do it at her age is you either do, she trains at MMA. So actually Jordan Meehan um, is what is her coach, um, out here in Lethbridge. She's been getting coached by him for about a year now. And then his, her dad, his dad was, was the coach year before, but she's been doing karate and everything since she's like five years old. So she's a black belt in karate. And then she's a blue belt in this. And then she's a blue belt in that. But she came out here and she got into the jujitsu stuff and absolutely just started killing people so it was it was just and she fights boys so they're like wow this is something maybe we we have a future like getting a, a like a judo scholarship or something like that at the canadian college or something but she, now that we're going down there kind of and she's a, she is an american too it kind of opens the book a little bit for her.
0: <laughs> i gotta hook you guys up with uh, josh barnett's a good friend of mine and his girlfriend is a fighter as well colleen and uh, she's in, she's got a whole bunch of stuff going. on I should hook you up with them if if nothing else, just so you guys could could talk Where are they, shop. Out no, they're down here. They're down here in Southern California, but he's up he's up in Seattle a lot because he used to live up there. So they're up there quite a bit as well. So we'll I'll yeah, do I'll do uh, like a Twitter introduction or something.
1: Beauty, I like it. That'd be cool. We're we're a full service operation here, man. That's right, we just, that's all, all we'll I do is... C- we'll take care of all your needs. You do the podcast for us, and we'll take care of all your needs.
2: This that, is awesome. Usually, I'm the guy that's getting all the tickets and stuff for everybody. This is fantastic. This yeah. is nice to be on the other side. Thanks, Dallas.
0: Yeah, see, that's that's what I do. I just hook people. I go, hey, these people should talk to each other and just make these little things nice. happen, So It's fun. I liked it. I like that. A bit off topic, but I have, to, I have a funny hockey and MMA story real quick that involves violent gentlemen. So, I went up to Game 3, uh, Sharks-Penguins, and it was with my buddy uh, Mike Hammer, who's one of the guys that runs File and Gentlemen. So he said, Hey, afterwards, we're going to go watch this. And, and I'm, aside from Josh Barnett, I'm pretty not certain as of what's going on with MMA, really. I don't follow it as much. But he said, we're going to go watch this guy, Michael Bisbing. He's got, he's, he has got was trained by one of the other guys who started Violent Gentlemen five years ago. He's got this, you know, he's a massive underdog. He's in this fight. We're going to go watch it in some bar somewhere. I'm like, oh, fine. I'll go with you. We like walked into this bar, watched the fight, and he won. It was just completely insane out of nowhere. He was like 800 to 1 odds. So I was like, wow. So the VG guys know they're, they're, they're peeps because Bisbing's a big VG guy. So
2: Sweet. No, I, that's good. Those are good hookups. Yeah. No, I, I love the MMA guys. They're, it, they're a different breed. They're kind of like the old hockey guys. They have so much
0: respect. Exactly. They really
2: do. It, they, there's so much respect amongst each other. I mean, a lot of it is show, just like it is for us, too, when you're you know, talking up a big game or a big fight that's coming up between, you know... Probert and Domi you know this, that was that was fair game you know, serious how killer was that
0: amazing
1: oh yeah. with the heavyweight still you know they'd come into town and in the newspaper they'd have the tail of the tape whoever your heavyweight was against oh. Probert they would actually run a tail of the tape in the newspaper like when I was a kid that's you know you, you were like oh you know, because I grew up outside of outside of Boston, so it was always like who's coming in to take on Johnny Wensink or Terry O'Reilly oh. or who, whoever it was at that time, Lyndon Byers. Like you knew all those guys and who was coming in and who had given who would be in the time before. <laughs> oh yeah, you're all they're on oh. the ice together. That's
2: all you were waiting for, and everyone was into it. you were more into the game. Like oh, that guy's on the ice. Let's see if so and so. And also you see the guy stand up in the bench, and you're like, oh yeah. And you would feel that energy in the building. oh, I missed those days that was that was the best part of the game. I love it.
0: Yeah, did you I'm did you
2: have did you have a guy like that Yeah, I played with. Brent Severn well he had a Dallas, but he hurt his wrist early in the season um Andre Waugh, man
1: in Tampa was an absolute murderer but did you did you have a rival like that like where you knew when you went into a building you were gonna to have to be on your toes.
2: Uh, more so in junior, uh, but that was back in the Wild West days. Um, Edmonton, those Dallas Edmonton ones were pretty creepy. You know, I, I tell you, uh, George didn't care how big or small you were; he crushed you, and he had no fall, no no problems falling on top of you. Um, I would do probably the biggest ones that Dallas. Well, New Jersey, and when we played against the Islanders or, or any one of those teams. Like if you play for one of them, anytime you played any one of the those teams, the New Jerseys, the Islanders, the Rangers, you knew something was going to go down that night. Even if it didn't, someone was going to fight in the stands, so that was even cooler. <laughs>
0: yeah. Those Dallas-Edmonton, you know, Dallas-Edmonton was a great rivalry back then, and people don't really talk about it that much, but I remember watching all those games back then. And there was, those games were in, insane, not only competitively, but, yeah, you had the fights and just everything else. I mean, that, that was a pretty intense rivalry that, that really doesn't get its due, really.
2: Yeah, that, kind of, that was kind of my rant before when I was going off on that. Because I actually have old videotapes and stuff. And I just kind of, let me show you. So I had a couple of buddies over and I put a, a VHS tape in and took an hour to rewind it. And then when, when it got in there, it was, yeah. once I got the tracking down, everything was awesome. But uh, we counted up, I think it was 90-some hits for Dallas and 90-some hits for Edmonton in five periods. And those
1: weird definitions of a hit.
2: Oh yeah. Like big bomb hits and elbows, cheap shots, cheap shots, two handers on the back, of the ankle, no call. And it was awesome. Like we were we were cheering. We already knew who won the game, we knew everything that was gonna happen. <laughs> and we were like, Oh, oh wait, 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 watch the slew foot coming up and it was just we
0: loved it. It was awesome.
2: And everybody says, like, well, you have to do this, you have to do that. You know what? Hey, we knew what we were signing up for. And so are the kids now.
0: It's well, fun. So, Sean, this is what has to happen now. So, we have to nominate <laughs> Brad to become the key member of the Rules Committee of the NHL so we can start changing these <laughs> rules back to where they should be. And, B, you have to hire him and his company to program and, and get all the talent for all these NHL events.
1: We're, uh, we're just, uh, I'll bring Brad in. I'll introduce him. By the time he leaves, he'll be like, uh, I don't know, vice commissioner. Yeah, perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I'm, I'm down. In. That'd be great. I'm down. We're in. Well, believe it or not, we've been doing this for an hour, and we could probably do it for another five hours, but uh, time dictates that. We'll, we... have to have,
1: we'll have to have a part two. We'll see if Brad yes. can uh, beat Mike McKenna's record for most times on the podcast. Yeah, well. Oh, yeah, let's we'll, do it. And we'll I'm start. We'll Mike's got right four, so we got a few more. We'll start talking about favorite okay, well, fights. I gotta, I gotta find out your guys' is metal
2: guys and all that too. So we do have to do, have a part two. So I'm getting a little dry. Right. There's some there's a lot of copycat bands out there too, so I, I do need some information.
0: We'll steer you the right way. You you know what's going on, but we'll steer you the right way, no worries. So now um give <laughs> us give us all your social media platforms and where people can reach out and find you and bother you and talk fights with you and everything else.
2: Uh what am I? I think it's just Luco thirty seven on Twitter. Are you on
0: Instagram? thirty
2: seven. I yeah, Luco thirty
0: seven. Uh, yeah, Facebook? You you have a fan page yeah. or
2: No, I, it's in my real I don't really write anything on those though. I'm I am a reader. I'm a s i am kind of read everyone and, and I'm in everyone's business and I don't really want to give anyone my opinion, so I just kinda <laughs> And then I like everyone's pictures just so I like them so they don't get mad at me if I see them at the mall or something. Like, hey man, it's sick.
0: You're the lurker, no, one no, of those lur- one of those lurkers. Well, pe- well, people can reach out, and you, you'll at least – they know that you're reading it if they hit you up on Twitter or Instagram. That's for sure. Yeah. And yeah. is there, like, a website – like, for example, the stuff that you're doing with NASCAR and everything, is there a website for people to go to, or is it just go to the Phoenix Raceway, and they'll figure it out from there? No, there's
2: <laughs> – no, uh, pathfitness.ca is my website. And then the one that we use is uh, – it, it, basically, if you go through that, I – uh I connect it to uh, connect the
0: dots. Right, what is that again? So that word,
2: I'm, I'm path Fitness. P-A-T-H, fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S dot C-A.
0: Dot C-A. Can we, can we get to there from the U.S. or only Canadians can get to that? I think you can still get there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's it's a of on
2: web. Come on. The,
0: the good old dot C-A. So, well, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for doing this. This was, this was a blast. Hey, I had a blast. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so check out Brad on, well, he may not get back to you on Instagram or or, or uh, Twitter, but you can hit him up there and go to his website and get all the good news. And then by well, the time we talk to him again, Sean will have him working at the NHL, dot, NHL and uh, getting some sort of better talent. We well, do have to upgrade the talent on these events. That's a big thing. That's We'll need drive yeah, don't notes, need, so.
2: We don't need an upgrade on the budget. We just need an upgrade on the on the band. I
0: think there we, can we pull go. It off. <laughs> All right, we're going to start. We're st- going to sure. put
1: smart people in a room and let you guys take credit There for you it. go.
0: That's fine. That's what we like. <laughs> That's what we like. All right, awesome. Well, thanks again for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. It was awesome.
2: All right, guys. Thanks. All right. All right, Brad, Thank you.
0: And we'll see you guys All next right. month.
2: Later.